This is the On All Cylinders Podcast. Presented by Summit Racing. Your host for today is Summit Racing's David Fuller with special guest Nelson Gill from Boss Hog Torque Converters. Here we go. Dave, back with you. Uh, this week we have a special guest. We're going to talk torque converters this week with Nelson Gill from ACC Performance, Boss Hog Torque Converters. Nelson, thanks for being here. How you doing? Hey, man, we're doing great, man. Just been working hard, getting everything in line with uh, our new expansion. We're actually looking at some new equipment. Just, uh, man, today's technology has advanced so much. It's just, it's mind boggling what you could actually do with these machines here today. And and some of these machines, uh, we're actually looking at some some old school screw machines as well for the higher production stuff. When, when we're talking machines, whether it's a car or it's a, it's a lathe or CNC machine, man, I get, I get excited because I love molding metal and stuff. So you know, on our side, torque converters are, you know, off misunderstood product. We get a lot of questions on it and we're going to get into that a little bit with you today, but kind of wanted to start off just talking about the company itself. This is kind of a monumental year for you guys. Uh, tell us about that. Uh, so 2020 marks 50 years of actually being in business. We've actually grown this company from approximately 50 part numbers to well over 400 SKUs. Our catalog has actually gone from just, you know, basically an open pamphlet to uh, nearly 30 pages now. We're all about the reality. We'll actually teach you what affects a stall converter and how. So it's not just a 22 to 2800 RPM stall. That's not how torque converters work. Most people actually go by specific ranges, but the weight of the car, the cubic inches, the compression ratio, the height of the intake, whether it's a dual plane or single plane, even a spacer plate can change the stall in a torque converter. It's just that sensitive. It actually goes from mechanical through a liquid, the the transmission fluid, and then back mechanical again. So even just an actual stall range itself is going to be a physics equation. So whenever we're looking at matching a stall converter to a car, there's 7,300 variables. Have you ever read, Dave, on a, on a K&N air filter box where you can see something really minuscule like, oh, I don't know, what was it, 8 to 12% better gas mileage? Well, I mean, if you do the math, it's not that much gas mileage. But because the engine is breathing a lot better, it actually can drop or pull the stall down. And what I mean by that is the torque converter begins to pull at 30 to 40 RPM earlier. Okay, so at a less RPM, the torque converter is going to cause it to move. Therefore, you're not using as much fuel in order to move the car. Now, over the road, when it's in lockup and nothing changes, you're not in that stop and go type situation. You're not going to see much gas mileage change because it's kind of locked in with that lockup or overdrive engaged. A lot of people know, like a half-ton pickup truck, take a four-wheel drive, regular cab, regular box. You were to power brake that truck it actually runs into about 2,000, 2,200 RPM. That's about where that's going to stall at. And then if you were to just roll up 10 feet, no changes to the vehicle, drop that into four-wheel drive low, all you're doing is doubling the gear ratio or better, depending upon your transfer case. Now, when you put it in gear, it's hard to keep the motor alive. This thing is pulling like crazy. 
So that one thing just took 1,400 RPM out of the stall converter. Before we get into um, the stall speed side of it, let's let's touch real quick on the lockups and non-lockups and just a basic overview of the difference there and what people can expect with each. Well, um, there's different kind of lockups and there's an overdrive type lockup with a piston, which would be more like a, let's just keep it simple to like a, a, a 700 R4. In fourth gear, there's an overdrive. What that means is the gear ratio to the overall turning of the tire is beyond one to one. So like in your normal turbo 350, the gear splits and stuff inside the transmission only go up to one to one. And what that means is, is the transmission is outputting as much as the, the engine RPM. So that could actually give you a specific mile per hour. Take 373 gears, 26 inch tall tire on a turbo 350, you should be at 3,100 RPM. Now, if you went with a taller tire, that can actually change your setup. What we found is that an inch and a half, that would actually take out one whole gear set. So a lot of cars use what's known as a drag radial, and they can be 28 inches. They could be 29 inches tall. I've seen guys using 30 and a half inch tall tires because they built their motor to such a point, but they've got 373 gears. And if you get the run out of that, that takes out three whole gear sets. So when you got 373 gears, that height of that tire drop the run out and the performance of that rear differential to a 327 because the height of the tire is so drastic that matters in how this what stall range you want to go to as well because mm -hmm. you could burn a transmission up at eight miles and again you mentioned tire size and the gear ratio and, and then there's uh vehicle weight and there's power band on your camshaft and different engine upgrades. There's so many factors. It's a, it's a big equation. A lot of people get a little frustrated. So where do, you, where do you start with the customer? Number one, dig into every ounce of information you can. There's a lot of people out there that will ask four or five questions and then they're done. We actually have a how to pick a stall range sheet here that's in our catalog. It's all over our website at uh, bosshogtorqueconverters.com or accperformance.com. And um, we always start off with the uh, the vehicle. If you've been around in it, if you're car guys, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of guys out there that know that more than I do. You get into a, a 60s Nova 2. I mean, you're looking at a, about a 2,600 pound car. You get into a 1957 Chevrolet, even though it's, uh, uh, some people call it a lead sled or, or it's all steel body. They didn't have to use as many cross members and stuff. So it's actually a lighter vehicle. It, it weighs approximately 35, 3,600 pounds. Uh, some people would estimate or the, use the gross vehicle weight rating when we actually need it net. We need it as it sits, not all of it can, can carry unless you're using a truck with uh, a lot of towing then that matters in how we choose the stall range. So we start off with picking out which vehicle it is, the weight of the car. So our whole entire equation is based off of what would be the same equivalent to a jet engine. You're looking for the fluid pressure versus resistance in this application. So if you have a highway gear, the engine's going to have to fight to go through such a long, tall gear. And what that's going to do is now that it has to fight, it has to slip. If you have a really heavy vehicle, that's going to give it more slip. Again, if we go into a lot of gear ratio, that's going to tighten it up. The ability to move the vehicle becomes easier. So therefore, it's going to tighten up or take away stall that was already there. So if you actually have a car that's got 308s in it and you jump to a 327, you're not going to see much difference. But you take that 308 to a 373 and that could change your torque converter stall range to a point where you even have to go into a 10-inch converter just to get it to run and idle correctly. 
So that's how drastic that is. So we always start off with the engine size. You know, is this is this a basic engine that's normally in that car? Uh, is this a Vega with a, a 572 cubic inch motor in it? I don't know. I don't <laughs> see how those guys get them in there, but uh, always amazed by all kinds of stuff. So then we get down the cubic inches. Then we go down to, you know, hey, is this a carbureted car or is it fuel injected? Because there's vast differences in how I would pick that stall as well. Fuel injected cars are far more forgiving and you could dial these in. But, you know, for years with our proven system, you know, we pick well over 8,000 stalls a year and 95, 98% of the time we could tell you within 100 RPM where it's going to work and be right the first time. So that's something we want to do is make sure we get as much information as we can so that we can line this up. Now, that's not always possible when you buy a car. A lot of that information may not come with the car. So we can reverse engineer or ask questions. Where's your idle set? You know, how far does it drop when you put it in gear to what RPM are you driving at 60 miles an hour? And if they don't have a tachometer, you know, where does the car begin to bog in third gear at what mile per hour? Does this engine seem to be screaming at specific areas? All of that stuff matters. Then I guess the next step would be figuring out how well this car breathes. We're looking at the heads, the valve size, the CC chambers, kind of fuel they're running matters because, you know, it's going to it's gonna breathe differently, you know, from alcohol to, to regular pump gas. Then you got uh, nitromethane, of course. Not a lot of people I know run nitro, but um, a few do. Then I'll get into the cam specifications because that's telling it how it's to breathe, even though you got capabilities. That also tells you, okay, you've you've got so much cam and you can't even squeeze it in the intake valve. And that gives good information and potentially add on sales too. And I'll tell you, anytime you add more power to a car, you're going to create more heat binding in those gears in the transmission. You need a trans cooler. You know, if you add more slip, have a higher stall range, you're going to need even more transmission cooling properties. So many of these newer fluids are so designed to pick up and carry off the heat you'll find that they're not running big enough coolers because it doesn't have time to dissipate through the heat because the fluid's moving at such a higher pace because it's a synthetic. I've actually found going old school with fluids really helps. Do you have any recommendations on uh, when to add a fluid cooler or any of those accessories? Well, I'll tell you, the uh, the Silverado uh, pickup truck has been known to overheat from the factory. Now, it's not a horrible problem, but when a close friend of ours uh, had a uh, Silverado four-wheel drive pickup truck and he had a car hauler. It's never had a car on it, uh, but it had a 48-inch lawnmower on it and he just happened to go through it and, you know, he was running 240 degrees. That's a big no-no. So if you buy a brand new truck, I'd put one on immediately. As you add power, you want more transmission cooling capacity. And if you go into an aftermarket other than stock torque converter, you need an external trans cooler. Period. Nice and easy, nice rule of thumb. You're kind of leading, leaving off there with the cam specifications. Uh, I think that's where a lot of people will start their search. We even have questions here today of, you know, I have X amount of lift cam. What can you recommend? Is, is that a good place to start? What's interesting is they've, they've found for a rule of thumb, let's just say that this XYZ cam needs a 2400 RPM stall. Okay, well, what if it's in a 7500 pound pickup truck? No, you don't. Because if you buy a 2400 RPM stall, it's going to stall at 3500. You need to know what you're buying. So in cams, the first thing I go to is lobe separation and center line. I've heard of rule of thumb, you buy 500 RPM over where your cam states it or 500 before that. 
you know, it's it's all about torque curve and how you want to drive the car. The stall ranges vary so much depending upon how your vehicle's built. That's a guideline. I've got two torque converters. One's a 12 inch and it's advertised as 22 to 2800 RPM. Now that's based off of a stock 1987 G-Body Oldsmobile. Okay, so it's a small block V8. So that's our start. Now, I don't know if you remember, Dave, but if you were to put headers and true dual exhaust on that and just a uh, performer intake, that alone took out so much stall out of the factory torque converter, the car would just, you put it in drive and it would roll uphill. It literally went from foot braking at 1950-ish. I don't know how accurate that tachometer was, but about 1900 to 2000 RPM down to where it was pulling the motor down to about 700 when I put it in gear. I couldn't get it past 1200 RPM. Of course, then you're thinking, well, let's see, I got a breathing so good, I want to go to gears. Well, that's not the problem. That goes back into the diameter of the torque converter. It's breathing so easy now that it's actually relaxed it and beginning to pull at such an earlier RPM. You got to change the diameter of the converter and get the, another set of parameters so that we can move the car like it was stock first. But then again, are you going with cam? What else are you going to do to this car so that we can get the things right? Now, if he's not going to change that 308 rear gear ratio, that raises a flag up. We want to make sure that we keep with the on the bottom end of a really tight 10-inch torque converter and so that we can make all of these matches. But if anyone out there is, is coming up to a red light and they're throwing it into neutral, you need to buy a converter. There's nothing wrong with the one that you got. It's just not matched for your particular setup. We do a lot of stuff with rat rods, a lot of stuff with T-buckets, monster trucks, to pull trucks, to mud bogs, to all kinds of fiberglass cars, to muscle cars, to alcohol-blown cars with 1471 blowers on them. I mean, you know, in the torque converter business is what we do. We don't do transmissions. We don't get into this. We understand them. We know them. We stack out our torque converters on transmissions in our shop. We built them, but we were growing so fast, we just kept our nose where it belonged, if that makes sense. We specialize in what we're doing. And that's the perfect opportunity to talk a little bit about our sponsor here at the On All Cylinders podcast, Summit Racing Equipment. Uh, Nelson mentions being laser focused on what he does, which is torque converters. At Summit Racing, they carry all the other items, including the torque converters that work together to create the optimal performance you're looking for. Uh, things that might affect stall speed on your torque converters, things like camshafts, different RPMs and power bands, different uh, ring and pinions with different gear ratio sizes tires, cylinder heads. We have a full line of automatic transmissions too. All those things kind of work in concert with your torque converter. And obviously, Summit Racing's a proud carrier of Boss Hog torque converter. So for your complete solution uh, when selecting a torque converter, talk to the folks at Summit Racing Equipment. They'll obviously help you get everything you need working together properly. Uh, they're the experts that are ready to help you. So check them out at summitracing.com. So Nelson, let's talk a little bit about anti-ballooning plates for a minute. How you build them and what they're for even. Anytime you want to shock the torque converter with um, nitrous, boost, um, trans brake, any, any kind of shock, a burst of power. What we're looking at is there's a thrust of, of fluid being locked into the position and then just let go. So that explosion of power, whether if you put just like a 100 shot of nitrous on there. We highly suggest you put the anti-ballooning plates or go with our Outlaw Series torque converter. Now, with ours, we actually have a background where we're actually doing a specialty weld called spray art transfer. Now, I think that they have a picture of us actually doing this spray art transfer, and it's shockingly different than your normal globule welding. 
I've actually, you know, first started when I was seven with a stick and I'm actually a laser certified deep sea welder for the Navy. I used to fix uh, Tomcats, P85s and stuff like that. But it is so hot that it literally ignites the MIG wire before it even touches this particular turbine, the metal. It is how you would weld an aircraft carrier submarine together. This structural welding is six to eight times the deposition rate of your normal globule weld. So you can tell as we get into it, it's extremely smooth. If you don't have all the proper stuff and equipment and all this, you could be full of porosity and stuff like that. But we test for those kinds of things. We don't have the parameters. We don't have the gas. All of our stuff is all specialty stuff in order for us to make a perfect one every single time. Our anti-ballooning plate, what you're going to see is this deposition rate. We'll make three passes on this thing and the heat of this torque converter it glows. It's it's literally hitting almost 2,500 degrees. At this hottest point, it's actually at 2,480 degrees. You're really, you're all about function for the most part, right? I mean, you guys are, oh, yes. you guys are using the latest technology and it may not be the prettiest on some. I like to brag that we got the ugliest, most conventional, useful piece in the, in the uh, setup. They're precision machine. You know, our machines are calibrated all the time. The guy that calibrates them is always asking me, why do you continuously, you know, bring us in here when it's not needed? And I was like, it's not only peace of mind for our customers, but our future customers know that we have this in place and it's rigorous. There's not going to be any waiver from it. So that gives people confidence in what we do. And we stand behind it too. And the kind of metals that we're using obviously add to the strength and RPM capabilities of our torque converters. These anti-balloon plates are not like a lot of the others. The reason why we engineered them that way is, number one, the balance of the converter. Number two, as hot and as strong that we're welding these on, we actually even quench them. And then we go back and precision machine them to get as much possible weight off the torque converter as I possibly can. We have a 4L65E or 4L70 type torque converter that we've actually gotten with Terry Wilson, Coverman66. He's an LS guy, a super sharp guy. He has it in his SS Trailblazer, and he actually weighted against competitors and, and against the factory one and found that my torque converter wasn't just two or three pounds, not six or 10 pounds. My torque converter was 21 pounds lighter than the other torque converter. And on a dyno, you're looking at between 68 to 71 rear wheel horsepower. So what can you do with an extra engine? Yeah. And rotating mass. Yeah, speak a little bit more to the materials that you guys use. Processes too, the firmest brazing and things like that. Yeah, okay. Well, we're a MIG facility. We actually have four different stations. We got nine welding stations, but we have four different weld out stations where we're actually pulling from 1,200 pounds of wire each. And we're about to put in a micro bulk system that will also ensure us the mad scientist type proper mixes that we that we like to have. We also try to keep away from doing the furnace brace. Now, there's a lot of parts that come in factory furnace brace, but we enhance them even more by tack welding them. Again, it goes back to, is it just a tack weld? Is it just this? Are you TIG welding? Is it this? I mean, there's enough and then there's overboard. What we're trying to do is heat that fin up in order to make the whole fin more rigid. So there's a purpose behind welding all of our fins. Now, this right here is a street bandit. What we've done here is we've actually four corner tack welded these pieces. Now, we got one way down in here, right here, and then up and in this fin 
we've done that. Now, on the Outlaw series, every single one of the insides are done. Every single one of these insides are done. All of these are done as well. That is to totally support and strengthen and work harden the actual metal in the fins. Because, I mean, if you were to take a look at these fins, you're like, wow, they're not that strong. So when we do that to a turbine, we'll even do it to the front and the back with our no prep series torque converters. We'll tack weld all of these on the backside as well. And that gives it that so much more strength and it gives it rigidity. Again, we'll got to go back in and clean the welds off because we go for proper weight. If they don't have the proper thickness, we reject 20 to 30,000 pounds of parts that we deem that are not savable. It's dumbfounding how much scrap we go through it. But the stuff we save is five, ten Gaylord boxes, you know, a week. We got people repairing and fixing those all all week long. So yeah, we MIG weld all of these parts in and just and to ensure the rigidity and strength of those parts. Well, let's get into your product lines a little bit. You know, we had a question that says if I want a good street <clears throat> converter, is this overkill for me? for a mild tune-up. Okay, well, the first thing is, what kind of car or truck is this going to go in? The weight of the vehicle, ask, you know, the, the, the cubic inches. Um, this could be a, an excellent thing for you. And, and the reason I'm saying is the overkill that we put in here, we've been mm -hmm. able to mass produce. So we've kept control of the overall pricing. You know, and another thing, we do stand behind our products too. So it's made right here in America and veteran-owned. So I even have my daughter in here um, running some of the machines sometimes. But in all things, you know, you know, to answer your question directly, yes, this could be an excellent way to go for more power, better matching your setup, not having any bog coming out of the hole, but have that everyday drivability as well. And we've, we, we have kept our price points in check, even through all the storms that we've had in the last few years. Uh, well, let's talk then about your, your product lines. You have, you have a lot of different converters available, uh, what they're for, yes. what you recommend them for. Okay, so basically for, for a guy who has a stock vehicle, and um, let's just say that you've got a show car, you've, you know, everything is stock on it. You may have headers or maybe some turbo mufflers, and that's it. To overcome that extra little two, three hundred RPM drop or something like that, they can go into our Night Stalker torque converter. The Night Stalker is also known to help trucks and pickup trucks and stuff. As you grow and you get headers and rear gears, or headers and a cam, or headers and an intake, well, at that time, yeah, you really need to start looking into a torque converter. That is how sensitive these things are. No, I'm not trying to sell you something. I am the guy that has told people that that they don't need a torque converter. You know, I want what's best for the customer. Why is that? Because he'll tell 10 people. That Night Stalker is a great version, but if you get into that one or two, then we have a Street Bandit series. These are from mild to pretty darn strong engines. The Street Bandits and our Night Stalkers are good for 500 horsepower. Our Street Bandits have been known to handle more power than that. However, I prefer to go into an Outlaw series at 500 above. Just to have that extra rigidity, that's what I would do if it was my car. I've seen guys running 750 horsepower in his S10 pickup truck, and it was a uh, it was a pro mod. He had a street bandit in there, and you know uh, it's been in there for about six years. And he runs every year, all day long, big tire. So you just it's good to know that you've got that peace of mind that something that's not going to break the piggy bank, you know, could stand up to what you got. But then again, our Outlaw series again, it's very competitive. But again, we mass produce. When we do, you know, anti-ballooning plates, man, I mean, we cut nearly 2,000 at a time, you know, in-house. And so we have them in stock, ready to prepare to, to go through them and to put them together. And, you know, if something looks vaguely out of whack, we just take it up front and cut it apart and go back again. 
we've got pieces throughout the shop. Again, it's it's quality control. You know, we just try to maintain that. So again, over 500 horsepower, nitrous, trans brake, blown cars, turbos. That's our Outlaw series converters. That thing will go up to at least 1,800 horsepower. Our no preps are known to go, you know, all the way up to 3,000 horsepower. We got some nitromethane blown cars to some radical alcohol cars to street rods, rat rods that are just in the street bandit series. So depending on what you've done, how, how you've got it built as to how I would go about putting it. So you mentioned Terry Wilson earlier and yeah. I know you've worked with some other celebs too. Where else can uh, people see Boss Hog Torque Converters? I know Jay Leno's got one in his in his Rolls Royce. Love to meet the guy someday. I didn't even know he got it from me, but uh, some WWE guys came in. We've got one in a 64 Cadillac that uh, I think the Rock's got. We got uh, Terry Wilson has his ultralight torque converter with a lockup. Uh, he's got a, a 4070 in his Trailblazer SS. You guys familiar with Lunch Money uh, from Fastest Car? He runs our stuff. So we're, we're all over the United States and multiple different countries. I know you got also sort of a spokesperson in-house there that also actually helps you around the shop too. Yeah, my daughter, um, she actually got hooked up with the Hot Rodders of Tomorrow. We support high schools. We, we support 16, 15 mm-hmm. high schools all across the United States. You know, we want to teach people as much as we possibly can. But we were um, actually at a car show and the Hot Rodders of Tomorrow were there. So when my daughter was uh, five years old, we went over there and they actually began teaching kids at five years old. And I was like, what, really? And she saw this t-shirt that she really wanted. And, you, know, you can't buy it. You have to earn it. She said, what do I have to do? And um, she had to dismantle a Briggs and Stratton engine all the way down to the crankshaft and put it back. So uh, she did that. And it took some time, of course, and some high schoolers were, okay, take this, take this, you know, pointing at the carburetor. She got it off and then she got the uh, the exhaust off and then she pulled the head off and got all the parts apart. Well, lo and behold, there's the piston and stuff. And then she put it all back. So my daughter is actually a hot rodder tomorrow and we support them a lot. She also helps daddy uh, on the weekends. Now uh, she's at a point at six years old where she can, we have a, a Doosan 310 CNC machine and an LNS bar feeder. She knows how to turn on the CNC machine, the bar feeder, set it up, get it into the program, send send the head home, and begin to cycle and uh, set up the CNC in automatic and begin to run turbine hubs and crankshaft pilots. So she can't mess with the program. She doesn't understand that, yeah. but she can start and stop it and look and, and see if something's wrong. She'll stop it and say, Daddy, what about this? And so, yeah. Question on, on the diesel side of things. Just pretty open. What about us diesel guys? Yes. Um, well, actually, we have just begun that process. Now, we've been building diesel converters all along. We find that uh, mostly in repair and fix uh, for the customers that already have other people's diesel converters. But uh, yeah, that is our next big jump is the diesel line. So yes, we'll be in that hot and heavy coming up. And with a name like Boss Hog and Diesel, it should go hand in hand. So here's another one. Probably going to go back to something we talked about earlier, but he says, I'm owner of a Jeep SRT 6.4 liter Hemi with a RIP supercharger installed on it. What torque converter would you suggest? Yeah, obviously you're going to need more information, but if you go to our website and and fill out that application, I need to know how many pounds of boost, how big your fuel injectors are. Have you done any head work? Have you done valve size work? What's going on with the exhaust system, the back pressure and stuff? What kind of gears do you have? And the height of the tire, again, this is a Jeep, you know, is this uh, is this for a, a takeoff? Are you trying to get the good hard launch? Uh, we can do that as well. 
I had an SRT8 Dodge Charger, the four-door. Man, I had a Nitrous Express. I had a 300 shot on it. I had uh, the bigger injectors. I had a three and a half inch exhaust going all the way back. It was still an everyday car. I mean, air conditioned the whole nine. And I was uh, launching at about 158, 60 foot, but also didn't want to break anything. So I never put drag redules on it. That's with OEM tires. Let's get real quick to the troubleshooting side. And I think a lot of what we might hear is this poor acceleration. What does that say about the converter you might be running? And then also your car just seems slower than maybe it did before you installed it. Well, with all of our torque converters, um, we actually know that people are always going to mess with them. As long as we get proper information, we do have a restall refreshing program where we could send it in and make an adjustment. Now, mind you, I've got to pay my guys and stuff. So, you know, there is, uh, it starts out as early as $100 plus the freight, you know, as of now, I don't know that that will go up anytime soon, but you know, it depends on the performance. I've, I've actually seen guys where I've actually uh, seen shops where they didn't put uh, proper fluids in, they didn't fill the level high enough. And, you know, dude, it's a simple mistake. If you take a turbo 350 transmission from the factory, with no modifications, going through the radiator, no deep pan and no other external cooler, it holds 12 to 14 quarts. Well, there's stuff on the internet and in forums where I've seen, no, it only takes seven quarts. That's just not true. And you're going to burn up your transmission. I mean, it's not going to perform. And I've seen guys where they just just can't get over 4,800 RPM and, and stuff like that because they're sucking air in. So we'll always start off with the proper fluids. Make sure that you have excessive cooling uh, because that's the number one problem with most transmissions is the heat. Then, you know, the proper installation. You don't want the torque converter crammed up against the front pump, okay? You got to get some relax, whether it's uh, daylight under a, a couple of business cards, something like that. You got to pull it back, meet the flex plate, make sure it's uh, bolted on correctly could always check the marks on the torque converters. But the biggest thing is, you know, if you're lugging and then it takes off or something like that, it's probably just a mismatched stall range because they got headers. They've got so much stuff on it, you know, and yeah, we really do need to know everything. What kind of horsepower difference would you have in a head with uh, 178 intake valves and 150 exhaust valves versus a 202-160 at a rock aluminum? It's a whole different world in power, breathability, and it will change the stall in the torque converter because it just outright breathes different. So if somebody, uh, go back to the future upgrades, so maybe those are coming later, but they need to upgrade a torque converter now, what would you suggest? Well, the first and foremost is gear ratio has to meet stall range, okay? You do not want to match your cruising RPM. Now, your tire size has an effect there. So if you're cruising... At 60 miles an hour, you're doing 3,100 RPM, and you've got a 3,000-pound car, performer RPM. Again, all the whole setup, a 28 to 3,200 RPM stall may foot brake at 2,600, not the 28 to 32. That's because there's more factors going on. With that being said, that's, that's well enough. You could use that. Now we have the, or can you go the next step up? If it foot brakes under the 3,100, yes, if that's where your normal cruising RPM is. If your normal cruising RPM in third gear is at 4,500 and your RPMs are down around, say, 21, 22, you don't want to have something that exceeds that. You know, otherwise, you're going to burn up your transmission. So you've got to match. If it's a future gear ratio, do the gears now first. If you just, like in the G-Body thing, we actually, the first thing we did was went to a performer RPM dual plane. That dropped our stall 400 RPM. Now, you're talking manifolds, white pipe. That four-foot gigantic muffler that weighed 400 pounds. Not really, but yeah. anyway. Um, just it was so restrictive. Um, 
I, I, I want to say that the Flowmaster or Magnaflow, some, somebody did an article on that where they had put headers and Trudeau exhaust down it. It may have been Banks. Banks exhaust may have done that, where they actually picked up nearly 11 car lengths in a quarter. Uh, but that exhaust was just bad. We changed that intake out. And so with just that one change, we actually put the intake on 11 times because we thought we screwed something up. It had a vacuum leak. What's going on? But it dropped the stall down. Now, is there a point where, yes, you may have some drivability where it's not taking off where you want it to, but you didn't have to get a stall converter at that point. But as you make more and more modifications, whether it's a cam, whether it's, you know, heads, you're, you could still probably get away with driving what you've got, but you've got to have the gear ratio to support what it is you're driving. That's a lot to think about. Great information. Uh, you know, come to the table with gear ratio, vehicle weight, feature mods, uh, cam, power band. Yeah, do a little homework. Uh, definitely. It's good to have rules of thumb, obviously, but that doesn't always yeah. always get you where, where you want to be. So we really appreciate the knowledge. Thanks for being here. Bye, guys. This has been the On All Cylinders podcast. Presented by Summit Racing. Check out new episodes coming soon at onallcylinders.com. Onallcylinders.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.